PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and I'm so glad that you joined me here today. Today's podcast guest is Jennifer Alvarado, and she was a lot of fun to talk to. Jennifer is a singer, a songwriter, a musician, a worship leader, and she also works at a women's ministry in town named Safe Harbor. I think we could also safely say that Jennifer is an influencer online because she has quite the Instagram following. She's been participating lately in a 100-day challenge where each day she posts a new video of herself singing a different song, and we talk quite a bit about that on today's podcast episode. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer. She's down-to-earth, authentic, and pretty chill. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, So I am Jennifer Alvarado, and right now I am a services navigator at Safe Harbor, which is a rescue mission in Hickory, and I'm also a worship leader. Where do you lead worship? Well, um, I lead worship for a Celebrate Recovery Service with Christ Church on Friday nights, and then I also lead at a couple other churches whenever they call me. So I'm. Kinda, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so I'm kind of everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that. Because I think this would be fun for the listeners. I'm going to say that I work with your husband, Josh. We're both counselors. So just for fun, I'm wondering, what is it like to be married to a therapist? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I get this question a whole lot. Do you? <laughs> Yes, I get this question a lot. Um, he is fantastic at listening, just listening in general. Um, there's many times that I I end up saying, and he'll even say this, do you want advice or do you want me to just listen? And so depending on the day I've had, <clears throat> um, typically I'm like, just listen. So, but I mean, it it is, it's obviously different because I don't want to do stereotypes, but I've heard from many of my friends that, you know, their husbands aren't the best listeners. And I definitely can say that that's not an issue. He listens to anything. And usually I'm the one that has the hard time listening. So, yeah. What Um, a good guy. Yes, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I should ask my husband the same question. What's it like living with a therapist? I'm sure he'd laugh. I don't. (laughs) I think he'd be careful about what he said about that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you today about music, although I think we're going to talk about all kinds of things. But because you've been in the music, kind of the music industry for a long time, what led you down the path of music and songwriting? Who um, music has always been part of my life. I mean, I can go back and look at some of the journals that my grandmother kept and I mean, I was singing before I actually was talking. Um, And so I feel like I've always been singing. But probably when I was about four, like I really, I just knew I wanted to sing. Like I knew music was what I wanted to do. And I had this little Fisher Price um, tape recorder, like old school tape recorder. And I figured out how to hit two buttons at once and make it record. And so 
I have these recordings from when I was like four or five years old of songs that I would write. And of course, like you go back and they make absolutely no sense. But that's really when I started writing um, just because I loved music so much. And so I was constantly making up things. And I would say probably when I was about 10, um, my grandmother passed away and she was my absolute best friend. We actually shared a birthday and she, she was the reason that I really, really fell in love with country music, especially. Um, and just, she was always the first one to support me with, with singing and all of that. But after she died, it's kind of like, I hate to say that like the naive person changed, but it was almost like the world kind of opened up to where, you know, I didn't think everybody was my best friend anymore or anything like that. Like I, you know, I started getting bullied and, and having a tough time with just other girls and, I was getting ready to go into middle school. And so it was just a really difficult time. And I realized that I was able to use songwriting and write down words and write down everything I was feeling. And I actually felt better when I was done. And so that's really when I started writing songs and and trying to pursue that. And then, of course, like I picked up a guitar because I wanted to write better and um it just sort of I guess it was like an onion like you just peel back all the layers and and one thing led to another but I was gonna say it was probably when I was about 15 that I started um I went to St. Luke's they had a youth choir and I started singing at church and getting involved with church and that's really what led to worship leading was just the involvement of being in church. And I absolutely adored being at church. So one thing led to another with that as well. That's really cool. I'm thinking about your little play school recorder. I had the same thing. And funny enough, I didn't sing into it that much. I think I did a little bit, but I remember making my own radio shows, which is really (laughs) funny because now I'm leading a podcast. (laughs) So I guess both of you, both of us, we were uh, practicing really early. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so your grandmother was really inspirational to you, it sounds like. Yes. Now, by no means could she carry a tune. I'm just going to throw that <laughs> out there. But she loved, loved, loved music. And and my papa, he actually, he's the one that introduced me to guitar and mandolin. Um he he actually played on the radio, I think, long before I was born and had a couple songs that he had written. But there was music just constantly at their house. Like we always had on um, the Nashville network when I was growing up. So I was constantly hearing all of these songs and all of that. And he would be playing and he he would teach me different things and. So it just, it was always around me. Yeah. When you were a teenager and really into music, what were, what were the music groups you really liked to listen to? Okay. Don't laugh at me. Um, I won't. Cause you could laugh okay. at me too. Okay. So 
okay, back when Hanson was around, <laughs> we, my friends and I were obsessed with Hanson. Um, we had our Hanson t-shirts. We had our Hanson posters all over the walls. Um, I went as far as having like a notebook that I made for my Hanson stuff. <laughs> so uh, I will say, I will say them. I can't leave that out, but I will probably bigger influences as far as groups um were like the eagles like i love i love the eagles um trying to think who else i mean mine was more of artists like i had a few groups that i really really loved but mine was more just musical artists so like reba mcintyre had profound influence on me um martina mcbride Celine Dion, Whitney Houston. Writing-wise, because I was always into people that would write their own songs, too. Um, it just felt like it came from a deeper place when they would sing it. So, you know, Sarah McLaughlin, Patty Griffin. Um, trying to think who else. That is a, that's a good group that you got going on there. <laughs> And they're all really strong singers, too. I love strong singers. Like, I love vocals. Um, so, yeah. I will say Wilson Phillips was a big one, too. I mean, that's how I learned three-part harmony. I would sit there and listen to what they were doing and then learn each part and try to figure out, okay, this goes with this and this is how this works. So, you know, and, and growing up, I mean, really early on, I would say Amy Grant was a huge influence. Um, I didn't even know she was a Christian artist until I was a little bit older, but probably when I was about six, like Amy Grant was everything to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, just very eclectic. I, I've always been very eclectic with music because I feel like, I mean, it's an expression no matter what. I mean, even if you don't necessarily like it, I still have appreciation for it. Um, and I think that there's something to be learned from it. Yeah. yeah. And I can tell that even with my writing, like I can go back and listen to some of the songs that I've written and I know what was playing in the CD player at that point in time. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything still has my kind of sound to it, but there's just certain songs I was like, yeah, I was really into Fergie at this point or (laughs) something like that. So just very eclectic yeah so I was gonna ask you what your process is for songwriting so do you get inspired off of other things sometimes um I would say what inspires me more than anything is if lyrics are usually where I start um if something's said in such a way and and that's really what I love about songwriters like when I, when I look at some of the songwriters, if they've said something that really just hits me in a way, and it can be the same, it could be the same kind of idea that's been spoken a thousand other times, but somebody just said it differently. And the way they said it is so unique that it's like, oh, okay. And so that's really what I've always tried to do with songwriting is be clear with what I'm trying to say. But also how do you say it in your own unique way that it's going to leave kind of just a a lasting thought of playing with words and stuff like that. I really like 
that I mean that's my favorite part of songwriting is the playing with the words and how do you make this puzzle fit together so that somebody knows what you're feeling but also can be right there with you and understand it and feel it as the same way in a sense yeah um, but yeah I mean my process for songwriting is I don't want to say that there's one method because every song I've done is a little bit different. Yes, sometimes like I can hear a beat or I can hear a chord pattern or something like that. Um, I would say, though, probably seven out of ten times it starts with lyrics. It starts with just a phrase in my head that won't go away. And so I build around that phrase and try to make a complete picture. I really like that a lot. I feel like um, for some people, they can listen to the music and not pay that much attention to the words. But for whatever reason, words get stuck in my head. So I've always had to be very careful about what I listen to because it it sticks. Like if there's a good melody, I'm going to remember at least parts of the words and it's always going to be there. So I love I love good music, but I especially love good lyrics so that and some people have them like you and some people some artists I don't think focus as much on that or at least it doesn't seem so that's really cool that you start there I've always been hung up on the lyrics of a song I mean the song musically could be awful I mean I'll just be honest it could be awful and if it's got really good lyrics I can look past that and be like you know this is great (laughs) (laughs) hmm Josh would disagree with that. He is much more a music person. Like he's got a, it it can have the best beat ever. Um, And I'm over there going, they just said the same thing 18 different times. Like, let's, let's move forward. (laughs) So Josh, is he your super fan? Um, yes, but he will tell me when I'm in the wrong. Like, yes, he, he definitely supports me. A thousand percent. Um, but he also is very, very good about speaking truth to me. And that's that's just our relationship. You know, if if I write something, I share it with him, but he's not afraid to tell me like this doesn't make sense or this isn't your strongest or or whatever. I mean, he's done that even with when I'm singing somewhere. Um, and and you know, like right now with this hundred day challenge, like there was one song that I put up there and he was like, it's not your best. And, you know, I think anybody else would get mad at that, but I know that it comes from a place of love. So yes, he, I definitely think he is my super fan, but I also, he's just honest with me. Like he's not, and, and I appreciate that because I want honesty. I want somebody who is looking out for me and wants the best for me, but also wants the best out of me yeah is it easier to take that from him because you know he loves you and he's got the best in mind yes definitely yeah I don't I don't question I don't question his motives I don't question his heart like I'm so you know a lot of times I think and this is one thing I've had to work on is that he feels like I don't listen to what he's saying um, or that I take it 
to heart from somebody else, but not necessarily from him. And it's not that. It's just I know he loves me so unconditionally that there's times that even though I, I trust what he is saying is truth and I know it's true, I still think, well, you're my, you know, you're my husband. You you love me. Um, and so there are times where I take some what somebody else says to heart. But it's because I always know it's coming from a good place from him. So I never question him. You know, my husband would say the same thing, honestly. And in fact, he has said that to me many times. Like, I always tell you you're beautiful. Why Why don't you listen from me? Why when somebody else says something, you take it to heart? Like, well, I know you love me and I know you think I'm beautiful. And I so appreciate that. Thank you for saying it. Also, sometimes I take it for granted because... You know, yes. you have to love me. We signed the we signed their certificate together. <laughs> uh, but it's so good to have that safety net. It's so good. Right. Yeah. So speaking of the 100-day challenge, I was going to ask you about that. You've been releasing a lot of songs lately for your 100-day challenge, yes. um, which is a really intentional thing to do. And I'm thinking it probably is time-consuming a little bit as well. What led you to decide to do that? And has it been hard to keep up? Well, to answer the first part, what led me to do it was simply the fact that I am so hard on myself um, and I want everything to be perfect. Like I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Well, I'm still a perfectionist. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm not fully even working on the recovery part yet. So, but that part is difficult for me. And so just the fear, not even the criticism from somebody, but the fear of the criticism from somebody, if it's not everything um, that I want it to be and as perfect as I think it should be, like it for so long, it has stopped me from really focusing on music and pursuing music. And so for me, it was, it was a, it was something to try to get me out of my comfort zone and say, no, you are going to do this. Um, you know, because I, I don't know how much, you know, about my past or anything like that, but, you know, growing up, I had an eating disorder. I was very much, I suffered from, you know, body dysmorphia and all that kind of stuff. And so putting myself on camera is so hard um and I see every little thing that I think is wrong and so just opening myself up in that way of okay I gotta get past this and I've got to do this like if I want to pursue music and I really want to put myself out there the only way to do it is by actually doing it and so that's really what sparked this whole thing was just me trying to get past my own fears and out of my own comfort zone and say, this is what I have to do to do it to where it's second nature now um, to come in here and record something. And, you know, I think it was probably about three or four weeks into it um, because sometimes what I do is record multiples on the, on, on a day. Like if I know I have a really busy week happening, I'll try to get multiple recordings done in a day and have them there. Um, 
but lately it's been I come in here each day and just do one. Um, but I noticed after a couple weeks or probably three weeks or so, they didn't take as long because I wasn't critiquing every little thing. And then it was kind of like, okay, that's, you know, that's good. That's, that's okay. I still don't think it's perfect, but it was okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so just the self dialogue that I feel like has gotten better over this whole thing. Um, I, I see the difference in it. Um, wow, that is so courageous. I love that, Jennifer, that you did that. Well, thank you. As far as missing days, yeah, I've missed a, I've missed a couple days. Like, there have been, there was one day where I had a straight-up migraine, and I just thought, this isn't happening. That's honestly why I've tried to record some extras every once in a while. So if, if another day were to happen like that, I still wouldn't miss. But, you know, there was one day, day 48, I remember it very distinctively um that I missed and I still want to record a day 48 but I missed it because I was so just not in a good place um some things had happened that week and it was one of those like there was every blow that could have happened to like music and I just felt like do I give up on this what do I do um and I needed that day. I just needed that day to have a moment. And the next day, I dusted myself off and kept going. So there's been those times. Um, and any other time, I would have really beat myself up over it. Um, because I'm I'm that person that says, I'm going to do this. And when I don't get this done, it feels like a failure. So... Well, you know what? I just love that there was a day 49. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. You just, you know, you just kept going and here you are at day, what? 70 something, right? 78, 79. I don't know. I have to go back and look. <laughs> that's really an accomplishment. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's the other thing you forget. Like you start getting up in these 60 and 70 numbers and you're like, where am I? So I have to go back and look. like. <laughs> At yesterday's to figure out what day I'm on. <laughs> well, if you forget and you accidentally do 103, I'm sure nobody will be upset about that. So yes. it's all good. <laughs> uh, so I read somewhere that you wrote. I can't remember where. Maybe, maybe on one of your social media posts. My heart is leading worship. It's the only thing that I've ever done in my life where I feel completely unqualified and yet exactly where I'm supposed to be at the same time. So I'm wanting to know, I know I've talked to a couple other guests about worship, mm -hmm. but I'd love to hear from you. What does worship mean to you? And also, how does leading worship feel different than just performing? I think, I mean, so to answer the second question first, sorry. but No, that's good. Um, I mean, it, I feel like it should feel different because the focus is different. Um, mm -hmm. When you're talking about worship, like it's not about you. Like, it should not be about you whatsoever. Um, it should be about God and what God is. Yes, God is using you. Um, and and you should be emptying yourself out and being used as that. But, you know, I feel like performing is when it's your name that's kind of being put out there. Um, 
And so that's why I'm very hesitant. That, that's honestly why I was always very hesitant about when I put a Christian album out in 2015. I never wanted people to think that I was using the platform to promote myself. Um, and so I didn't push my album and I really, I haven't, like, I want to make the, I want to keep things very separate as much as I can. I know that that seems weird in a sense, but I just never want the focus to be in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's what worship is. I mean, it's putting your focus, it's putting everything you got into trying to, um, lift the name of Jesus and, and really promote the kingdom, um, and better the kingdom. Like it should not be about who sees you or where you're singing or or anything, like whether you're at Carnegie Hall leading worship, which that would be amazing. But, but whether you're there or whether you're on a street corner singing a song for God, like that, it should matter. Um, so that's really what the difference is to me. Um, it's, it's completely the intention that you have behind it. Um, and, and who the focus that you have with it, if, if you're focused on you or are you focused on God? And then what does worship mean to me? Like to me, it, to me, honestly, it's, it's how I fight. It's how I fight for what God's done for me. It's how I praise him. It's how I give back to him in many ways it's how I let go of things that have happened during the week and all the all the burdens and everything of this world you let that go up with your music um and what you're singing and and being able to even even if all you're able to do is come and utter just a phrase to him I still feel like that's worship um so it's giving him the scraps of whatever's left of you mm-hmm. so so tell me what it's like to lead at celebrate recovery what do you love about that I think the number one thing is just seeing the life change that happens um to me celebrate recovery is a lot different than Sunday mornings only because so many people that come in to celebrate recovery in some cases that's their last resort um the mask and the wanting to present yourself as perfect and all of that stuff that people try to do on Sunday morning, you know, where you say you're, somebody is um, looking at you and says, how are you? And you're like, Oh, I'm great. And you just have to find <laughs> coming in or whatever. And, and, you know, the kids spilt stuff all over the car or whatever the situation may be, but you still say you're great. People are not afraid of just being completely and totally honest at celebrate recovery and so it's just a very humbling eye-opening experience and 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 it's part of why I think I was led to safe harbor because I I really believe celebrate recovery kind of prepared me um, for what I'm doing now there and having really hard honest conversations and not being shocked by people's mess because the fact is we all have a mess. Like we all have stuff. We all have things that we wish we could change or um, things that we see as broken about us. Amen. Preach that. God, 
yeah, but God uses that. Like that, I mean, if you look at people in the Bible, like the ones that he called all had something going on that would have, I guess, made them unqualified by the standards standards of the world. And I I see that with Celebrate Recovery. Everybody that comes in there, they're they're very honest. Um and they've been through all kinds of things, but they still keep going. And in many situations, some of the best leaders of the church have come out of Celebrate Recovery because they own their stuff. Like, and they don't use that stuff as a detriment. They use it as, as a testimony. They use it as a platform to try to help somebody else. And with Celebrate Recovery, I just feel like there's a humility that comes along with it. Um, mm-hmm. And and so it's it's just very humbling to see that week in, week out. And, you know, I was, I was that person that didn't fully understand Celebrate Recovery when I started there, when I started leading um, worship. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go help with this ministry. And I would say within two weeks of being there, I realized like, oh, I'm codependent. Oh, I, I struggle with this. And um, it, it was just very eye-opening. And it makes you own your stuff. And it makes you really want to grow in your relationship and remove the mask and realize that it's only when we're authentic with each other and when we're honest with each other that we can truly help each other. So. Man, I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. I yeah. I love so much recovery groups for all of the reasons that you just shared because it's a place where you come in and everybody knows you're not you don't have to be perfect. Everybody knows if you were you wouldn't be there to right. begin with, which is what the church should be. But sometimes we forget that, I think. And we come in looking nice and our good clothes and whatever, all the things that you just described. So, thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah. So you have a blog called In the Waiting Season. Is that the name? Yes. Okay. So I think all of us who've walked with the Lord very long can completely relate to that title. I love it. Um, Can you talk about what led you to name it that and what your waiting season has looked like? Yeah. So it's actually In the Waiting. Um, But yes, it is all about In the Waiting Season. Um, So... I actually started this last July, I think. I think it was last July. Um, And it was right after I had left the church in Greensboro. It was my dream job. Um, It's what I had been working toward and trying to pursue for, for years. And this job came open. And I mean, it was a four-hour-a-day commute, but it was worth it because it was my dream, and it didn't work, and so after eight months, I decided, okay, I think God's calling me to a different thing and away from here, and I fought God tooth and nail for months because I was just like, but God, like, this, this was the position I wanted, um, I'm getting to do what I want to do. And I'll be honest, part of me didn't want to look like I had failed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I held on because I just, I didn't want to come to terms with, with letting it go. And after months, you know, a couple months of prayer, I, I just knew, I knew that this was a door that was being shut and I needed to move forward. Um, and I needed to trust. And so for me, I started this blog as a reminder, like, I don't know what this season is. I don't know what is up next or anything like that. But I know that I was called into the desert. And I know that I'm supposed to trust him. And I know that somewhere along the lines, like, when it's his timing and not mine, and that that's a huge one for me, when it's his timing and not mine, that I will come out of that desert. And um, so that's really what this blog is about. It's what I am still learning going through this season because it's still not over. Um, and there's still so many things that I feel like he's teaching me daily about myself, about trusting him, about his promises. Because you start to, or at least I did, um, I'm that person that's very impatient. And so when I think that enough time has passed for anything, um, I want to get to that next point. And I want to get to that next goal. And I'm I'm very goal-oriented where... I want to crush this one and move right along to the next one. And for me, it was about slowing down. And that's honestly what I still think it's about is slowing down and waiting on him versus me trying to rush out of this season of life just so I feel comfortable again. I mean, to be honest, there's a lot of discomfort in the waiting. (laughs) But I also know that that makes you stronger and it, you know, he wouldn't call you into this season just to leave you in it. And he also wouldn't call you into this season and want to draw closer to you if he didn't love you. So that's what my blog has been about. It's just things that I'm learning along the way of this. Yeah, waiting is not fun, is it? (laughs) Especially when you're a control freak and and very impatient. No, it's not fun. (laughs) No, and it definitely seems like the Lord does good work there once we stop struggling or even while we're struggling, because none of us really like to be in the waiting. I don't think it's not very natural, is it? No. So um, speaking of slowing down, which actually is a little bit what Pause Renew Next is all about, because I'm always in a hurry and, you know, I counsel women who are always kind of in that same place, like what you're talking about. A lot of people come into counseling when they're in the waiting. Um, And so I really started thinking about what does it look like to pause, to reflect, to let the Lord do his work in us, which I'm still learning. I'm not there. That's why I named it this too. And I'm working through it myself, but I've been thinking a lot about soul care lately. And I'm wondering for you in the midst of all the quarantine and all the craziness, what does soul care look like for you right now? Like, where do you find renewal, rest, joy? With, well, with rest and renewal, I would say just taking, taking those few minutes, whether it be with prayer or even meditating, like I was never, 
I'm not good with sitting still and and being quiet. And that was the most frustrating thing when I was going into this season of life is that all I kept hearing was my word for 2020 was supposed to is well, not supposed to be, but it it is abide. So abide in him. But then also all I've heard for months is be still. Um and for the person that wants to get the last word on everything, that's hard. Um, and for the person that can't sit still, be still is even harder. So I would say prayer has has been a major thing. Reading his word has been a major thing. Um, I've always been pretty good about doing devotion, but I never sat with the word. If that makes sense. I never, Mm -hmm. I would read the devotion and it was just, it was honestly another check on the list. It wasn't really sitting down and saying, God, what do you want me to know from this? What do you want me to hear from this? Um, There's been some mornings where I've just gone out and sat sat in the backyard and just prayed. I mean, prayed for a couple hours. And so that has been helpful. And, and like I said, the meditation, the slowing down, just slowing down your brain um, and focusing on your breathing and stuff like that. You know, all those little things that, that people tell you to do when you're stressed and have anxiety. Um, Songwriting still where I find joy. Um, it's where I find the ability to process some of what I'm feeling and, and where I'm, honestly able to kind of calm my anxiousness anxiousness down because it gives me something else to focus on for a little bit joy is one that i'll be completely honest it that is a struggle for me i i find joy in really small things like we went fishing saturday morning for my birthday and you know, just just being with friends and and being in places that you know you're supported and you know you're loved, like that's helpful. That's to me, that's one of the greatest forms of soul care is being around people that just you know they love you for you, and you don't have to do anything or, or be anything. Like you just be you, and you know you're supported by that. Um, so. That's another thing that I've tried to do lately is surround myself with people that I know support me um, and are going to be there for me. Because for a long time, I tried to put, I tried to force people to be in my life, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. I tried to make relationships work that just left me drained and left me feeling like, well, why am I not enough? And so I think as you get older, you learn to appreciate, at least I have, you learn to appreciate um, the people that don't care if you're having a bad day. Like, they're still going to love you. They're still going to be there for you. So, yeah. Here, here. I agree with all that. A hundred percent. And I saw your pictures of fishing. Did you have fun? <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you catch anything yes I caught 12 wow way to go yeah happy birthday it was a good weekend for a birthday 
I had one too. I know. <laughs> so happy birthday to you too. <laughs> Thanks. We should have gone fishing together. I know. I was hosting a wedding at my house that day, so I was uh, not able to. But yeah, you were preoccupied. <laughs> yeah. Maybe later this week we're gonna go to a park. So hopefully. Okay. Yeah, fishing. I know a lot of girls don't really like that, but it is very peaceful. I think. Is that what you like about it? Yes. Well, okay. I just like putting my focus into something other than what's going on around me. Yeah. You know, you go fishing, like the only thing you have to focus on is that little bob and whether it goes down or not. That's and, right. And so, yeah, for me to calm my mind, like, yes, that or just meditating and having that focus, like anything that puts my focus on something outside of what's happening around me that yeah that is helpful yeah yeah I can agree with that (laughs) so to close us out today I love to ask each of my guests what is a favorite scripture passage of yours that could be like a lifelong verse or just one that's speaking to you in this season um is it okay if I do two you totally can do two (laughs) So my lifelong verse has always been um, Psalm 37, 4, which is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, And honestly, that has changed over time. You know, back when I was a new Christian, I thought, oh, God's like a genie. Like, (laughs) if I love him, he'll just give me anything I want. Um, And then you, you grow up and you, you mature in that relationship with them and it deepens and you realize that your your desires change as your love for him changes and your relationship with him changes those desires change and they become more kingdom centered and more or kingdom focused and and they become his um and so it means even more to me now than it did when I was little and younger um The other one, and this is one that's really been on my heart in this season, is Romans 8, 28, um, that, you know, all things work for the good of those who love Christ. And, you know, he doesn't promise that everything's going to be hunky-dory and peachy, and especially in this season, um, there's there's no guarantee that you're not going to cry, that you're not going to have bad days. But he can use all of that and God wastes none of it. And so I just, that's one that I've really focused on is that if I'm having a bad day with something or something just isn't working out, that he hasn't left, that he's, he's still right there and he can take all that mess and work it for the good. And so it it helps lessen the burden um, to just know that, what we consider a mess, he considers just another piece of the puzzle. So, yeah, those are my two. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of safety and hope, I think, in that verse, yes. in that promise. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, Jennifer, if people want to go listen to your music, uh-huh. where can they find you? Where are all the places? <laughs> well, um, so Spotify, you can look up Jennifer Alvarado. I'm on Spotify. I'm on um, iTunes, Google, 
trying to think. Basically, any streaming service, I should be on there. Jennifer Alvarado. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's I underscore am underscore Gemma, J-E-M-A. And also, you can look up Jennifer Alvarado Music on Facebook if you have Facebook. So those are the, those are the places. Awesome. Well, listeners, I'm encouraging you to go out and check out her music. She's really talented. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Is there anything you wanted to say? I didn't give you a chance to. I don't think so. Um, I just really appreciate you reaching out to me and let me come on and having me on as a guest. It was really fun. I'm so glad we could. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again, Jennifer, for being on the podcast. Y'all, isn't she so cool? I definitely suggest that you go check out her music and give it a listen. She is a very talented musician. If you want to see what she's been doing with the 100-day challenge, which, by the way, she's at the end of now, go look her up on Instagram at I underscore am underscore Gemma, J-E-M-A. If you want to check out her blog, I will link to that in today's show notes. You can find Pause Renew Next on social media as well at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I would absolutely love it if you came and followed me on any of those platforms. You can also find us at the website, pauserenewnext.com, where you can find podcast episodes that are released every other Tuesday, or you can find blogs which are released on the in-between weeks. Well, that's all for today's podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.